On today's Next Phase with Steve Key, a discussion on leadership with lawyer, talent management professional, technology enthusiast, Gallup certified strengths coach, and now a writer, Jessica Teachin. Uh, I've read on her website, she says, I'm motivated each day by my core purpose to help people more fully enjoy their lives, including their work. So one day they can look back on their lives and say, I lived a great life and my work was a part of it. And I think given where I am in my career, sort of in the past, the, the, the main stage, these words really do resonate with me. So I welcome from St. Louis, Jessica, to the, uh, to the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, I'm uh, just to give you a little background. I'm 59 years old. I'm, I'm semi-retired. Uh, and I think my views on work-life balance and enjoying my life are never so focused as they are today. But I have to wonder at what point did that light go off in your head and say, "Ooh, there's more to life and I need to embrace this. Yeah, for me, so I actually struggled for a long time with work-life balance. I didn't even like the term uh, and I was pretty resistant to the term because I love working. Working is fun for me. I enjoy it. Um, and pre-kids, I really, really struggled with, with that concept at all. What did well-being mean? What did work-life balance mean? And it actually was only in the last couple years that it really, uh, a term I came across was work-life harmony. And that term finally brought it home for me in a way of that I can it doesn't have to be equal. It doesn't have to be 50% work, 50% home, or but it has to work together in a way that works for me. And it has to work together in a way that brings my life joy, fulfillment, satisfaction. And so as I came to that conclusion after having three kids, I've got a five-year-old and twin two-year-olds. So after having, after having all of them, um, it really started to resonate that I can work really hard and enjoy and love what I do and stop to have those moments with my family or to do the things that I enjoy as well, that it doesn't have to be either or, it can be both and, I just have to find the right blend and the right combination of the two that works for me and my family. Do you think the pandemic and forcing us home sort of changed our perspective on that? Like the people are are, are really coming to that realization that hmm, there's more than the commute, the long work day and the commute home at night. Absolutely. I think, I think the pandemic, you, somebody once told me, would things be different? Or they asked me, would things be different if the pandemic hadn't occurred? And I couldn't answer that because I don't think you can possibly remove the pandemic as a factor in anything anymore because we experienced it so fully and we went through so much. I mean, my twins were nine months old when COVID first hit. So life was pretty chaotic. I was vice president. I managed um, talent management or HR and our IT department. So there was a lot going on in terms of getting our workforce to work remotely and all of those pieces and the stress of it all, the the amount of focus and energy and effort that had to go into everything absolutely, I think, has shifted how people see how they want to live, what really matters to them, what they really care about, what's important. And I think that is what is rocking workplaces today. And it is, and you see it everywhere. You see the far for hire jobs open. We're hiring signs everywhere 
everywhere, but positions can't be filled because people want to make different choices for their lives today than they have in the past. Yeah, I found uh, a lot of people and colleagues at my my last job, you know, they started moving further away from the city. And I thought, okay, well, that works now. But at some point, the world is going to return to some sort of normalcy. And then you're faced with a commute. But then you're finding companies today are sort of making it, uh, it's part of the incentive to work for certain organizations to give that flexibility uh, that you're, you're not forced to be in that office. And, and I think that, that is, uh, that's encouraging. And I think it, it, it is something that is going to give some companies a leg up on others. Yeah. And well, and for me, one of the things I discovered um, throughout the pandemic was a love for writing. So it was really what led me to end up writing my book. Um, but it started out as therapy for me. I, I have high communication as one of my strengths. So writing articles, writing information, writing how I was reacting and responding to different things became uh, just part of my well-being. It, it helped me through that time period. And it's ultimately what then led me to write the, the book that I've just recently published called The Exceptional Life Revolution, which is what I think is really kind of going on right now is people want to live their best life. They want to live better than they have before. And they're trying to figure out how to do that. And I think workplaces are trying to figure out how they maintain culture while giving people the flexibility such that they want to keep working there. Exactly what you just talked about with, with do they commute? Do they live further away? How do they balance people being in and out of the workplace? I, um, I mean, I spent 40 years in the workforce, uh, starting in the media, then into the communications uh, field. But I never felt that I was able to turn it off. And I think as a, a person who was married at 25 and had kids around the time I was 30, that I missed so much of, of what was going on. Now at 59 and a grandfather as of last last fall, uh, it's, it's amazing how that perspective has changed. And maybe looking back and saying, okay, well, what can I do uh, to be better, to, to be more uh, in the moment with my, my wife, uh, with, with my kids, with my grandson, with the dog, uh, in the community. And, and these things are, are, are so much more valuable because you know they say you'd never look back on your deathbed and wish you'd worked another day or two that you are spending that time. So the lessons I learned from not doing it, I'm applying it now at this stage of my life when I'm still young enough to enjoy the next, why I call the podcast the next phase. It's the next phase of my life. Well, and I love that because it, 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 people of, of my my generation then can learn from that, right? So we don't have to wait till we get to that point to say, man, I wish I'd done it differently, or I wish I had shifted or, or lived differently. Instead, we can learn from the lessons of those that came before, and that those who are further in their careers that are, are in those key leadership positions in a lot of organizations can make the decision to either you know, go back to the way things were and have everybody have to live the way or, or work the way that they worked, or they can say, let's do it differently. Let's make a shift. Let's change how we work and how we live um, and, and make the world a better place as a result of it and make people's lives better. So you spend time in, in talent management and, you know, you have to look at people who are trying to get into the workforce. 
and some of them in leadership positions. So in today's world, what makes a great leader? So my belief when it comes to leadership, what makes a great leader, it, it always starts with trust. So it always starts with that foundation of, of trust and understanding. And then I think the greatest leaders are the ones that really understand the people that they're leading, that really know who they are, know what they need, understand how to help them, understand what's happening in the business, uh, and don't become so far removed from what's going on that they can't make good decisions and they can't help facilitate good decisions. So, you know, I think technology is moving so quickly and so many things are changing so fast that leaders can't possibly stay up to date on every single thing that's happening. What they can do is coach and develop really strong resources and then empower them to make good decisions and empower them to to make the right choices for the work that they're doing. And I find that that's something that evolved in my time where, you know, I think at one point, if you were technically sound at what you did, you were promoted into a leadership role. You may not be a good leader. So in certain uh, phases of my uh, my career, you know, I was leading people, almost telling them to do what I do, and not embrace the differences and the the, the challenges. We we talk about uh, men as leaders and women as leaders, and I found that over my career, some of the best leaders I've had are women. You know, what what what's what are sort of the key differences between male leadership and female leadership? It's a good question. Um, I've only had male leaders, um, you know, outside of myself. So I've that's been my I, I've worked in a very male dominated industry in industrial manufacturing and process control. So that is the world that I come from. I think the the biggest and most obvious difference is simply perspective and experience. So the perspective that um, especially a, 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 a woman leader who's a mom or or been through some of those challenges or, or had those experiences just comes at life from a little bit different of a perspective than the than her male counterparts do. Um, I think that I think that there is potential in terms of anybody uh, with respect to leadership, but I think what ends up happening is what you just described, which is the strongest performer becomes the leader, and that's not necessarily the person with the right strengths to be a leader. And I think for for most women that I know, they don't put themselves forward to be a leader unless they really know that they're going to be strong as a leader. So I think men are more likely to take that chance, more likely to throw their name in the hat and say, yeah, I want it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it, even if it's not something that they necessarily have strengths or talents around. And I do a lot of, um, I'm a Gallup Clifton StrengthsFinder uh, certified coach. So I do a lot with strengths assessments and understanding who people People's, you know, what people, what strengths people have and how to apply those. And what I've seen is that the people with strengths that support their being a good manager or a good leader are the ones that, that really demonstrate and do the right things by people. And so I think a lot of people just don't know that about themselves when they move into leadership positions. It's never easy. I don't think that there's a a playbook that that describes what it is as a good leader. Do you think of yourself as a good leader? Gosh, that's a great question. So I 
you know, I, I do today. I think it was a long journey for me. I was, uh, I like to joke that the first people that I managed, I feel really bad for them because I wasn't very good. I wasn't a great manager. I didn't know what I was doing. It wasn't modeled for me. I have learned a lot. Um, mostly from the people that I've led, from really opening myself up to get tough feedback from them on what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong and adjusting and being willing to adjust, being willing to say maybe what I thought was the right way to lead or the right way to do something wasn't and changing how I lead them as a result. So I think I've come a really, really long way, but I also think that as a leader, you've got to always be checking yourself. You can't ever become overly confident because our leadership skills have to keep being developed and honed. And so it's something I don't want to come become complacent with. I'm a, I was a firm, well, I am, I was, I guess it's all the same thing. I still am uh, a firm believer in sort of lifelong learning and trying to, uh, to achieve different levels of expertise and bring in new and interesting perspectives. I speak to a lot of the schools, uh, you know, public relations students. And, and I talk about the importance of finding mentors, finding people that you can learn from. And I've, I have found that if you aspire to be like certain people, you're going to pick the best points of them. But at the same time, they're going to pick the best points of you. And it's, it's a two-way street and it's a way of giving back. Uh, do you have any advice for students about trying to ask for help and ask for, for mentors? The best advice I have is to just go right, go after it, because most of us that are in positions want to help people, want to help others get to where we are, to grow, to learn, to develop. Um, and so I think I think it's just having the courage to ask for that mentorship. And then I think the other thing is coming really prepared with what you want to get out of it. So if you're going to meet with, with a mentor, what do you want to get perspective on? Or what do you want to get feedback on? Because if you just meet with them and you're like, hey, mentor me, that's really tough. But if you can come with a very specific objective, that makes a big difference. But I think that that's looking at oneself and saying, okay, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. This is what I I think I should work on and being able to take the feedback you get and apply it. Why I said that of all the people I worked with and, and, and mentored with over the years, you know, I'm a little bit of each of these people. And that makes me the person I am today. I mean, the most difficult thing, and you're going to find this as a parent of young people. I mean, my, my kids are 30 and 26 after a while, they don't listen to you anymore. So you have to find other mentors who are going to help them uh, to get to where they want to be. Oh, and I think that is one of the best parts about being a, a coach. And and I've got a number of coaches that I've worked with over, over the years and I'm still working with. And I think that's a great way to get that mentorship or to get that additional perspective, not necessarily from someone who's just managing you directly in the workplace, but getting you know alternative perspectives on how to enhance your performance and how to progress your development, I have found really brings tremendous value. Well, with that, I'm I'm going to bring this to a close. In the description to the podcast, I'll put a link to your uh, to your book because I'm sure that there will people who will find it very valuable. I thank you for your time today. Thank you very much for having me. It was great. The next phase with the Steve Key podcast is on all the uh, podcast distribution networks. We're always looking for interesting people. 
to speak with, uh, trying to uh, engage and inform and uh, hopefully entertain as well. Until we speak again, have a wonderful day.